From somewhere in Northeast Indiana, Mike Davidson lives. And now your host of the podcast, Mike Davidson. Everybody asks, uh, for me, the uh, worst type of medical professional to visit is the eye doctor. Because I just, I don't like things being put in my eyes at all. Although, where I was at today, close second. All right. Hell yes, Mr. Robert. Thank you very much. It is me, Mike. This is Mike Davidson Lives, my podcast, where we hang out and uh, commiserate on some things for about half an hour. Glad you downloaded this latest go-around. As uh, it's been kind of a weird week for me post Labor Day, uh, you know Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and I've only worked one day this week. I had Wednesday off. Um, Labor Day was all right. Uh, did grill out. Had uh, this past day off uh, Wednesday because of a doctor's appointment. I had to go in and get an MRI done. This is the first time I've ever had it done, and hopefully this is the last time I'll ever have it done. I went to a specialist. Uh, Earlier this summer, about uh, some vertigo I experienced once and explained to them that I have a tinnitus in my right ear and I, I'm partially deaf in my right ear. And uh, you know, I had an ENT guy look at it go, yeah, I really don't see anything wrong with it. Uh, I want to uh, prescribe or uh, recommend you to this MRI specialist. They're going to take a uh, you know, shot inside of your head and uh, see if they can determine whether or not uh, you have a benign growth, there's a small chance you might, very, very minute chance you might. Uh, and if that's not the case, well, uh, you've you got this for the rest of your life, which I've been dealing with for the better part of well over a decade. Uh, I was able to close my eyes with this and put a towel over my head and earplugs in my ears and all that stuff. Very loud. Very loud. I was glad to close my eyes because I took one look at this thing, man, and I I could already tense up. In fact, when I got done, I didn't I didn't even look back at the machine. I was like, "Adios, done with you." Uh, hopefully, I get the results back here in a couple of days. I feel fine otherwise, but it was enough for me you know, to take a day off, burn a sick day from work. They know about it. Uh, did spend it with the kids. Uh, went to school with my uh, two daughters. Had lunch with them, and then me and the boy, uh, we went to a couple of nerd shops, and uh, he kept getting into things he wasn't supposed to. Uh, but that was pretty much the day-to-day. Uh, almost done with American Prometheus, uh, the uh, the movie about, or not the movie, the book about Robert Oppenheimer, which was the basis of the movie that uh, Christopher Nolan put out. Uh, very interesting stuff. I'm hoping, to have, I'm hoping by this weekend, next episode, to have uh, a little more insight as to what's going on here, but all the red hysteria from the 50s is kind of funny not too funny i mean because you know communism i'm not a big fan of and yeah they were legit spies in the united states because that's that's how the soviets roll they got the kgb but everybody was a red if you weren't uh, in line with mccarthy and hoover and all that and oppenheimer with his his previous left-wing associations it kind of got him into a pickle and with the movie and the book, I mean, they're basically described is the fact that uh, he's never put on trial. It's never a show trial to the public. And he was never in danger of going to jail over anything. It was basically just to discredit him so he loses his security clearance. And uh, what uh, Louis Strauss and some of the other guys did to do so, pretty underhanded. I mean, you'd have to see the movie. You'd have to uh, read the book. But... Uh, it's kind of weird because, I mean, like, I'm thinking about Darkness at Noon, which was a big indictment of uh, 
how the Soviets would uh, interrogate traitors or would-be traitors, like basically Russians, communists, interrogating their own. And some of the some of the methods here, without you know throwing anybody in jail, kind of similar to that. It's like you become your own worst enemy. Heavy stuff. All right. Uh, real quick, another local thing before I get into other things. But uh, uh, I told you earlier this summer here in Fort Wayne, there was a shooting at the Glenbrook Mall. Guess what happened this weekend? There was another shooting at the Glenbrook Mall, like two shootings uh, <laughs> over the summer. And uh, mall officials are saying, no, 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 the mall, Glenbrook Mall is safe. It's safe because, you know, there was what this wasn't a mass casualty event. This was basically another disagreement over money or a girl or something. I don't know. Uh, but uh, I'm looking at these incidents and I'm saying to myself, going to any random Walmart here in town is safer than going to the Glenbrook Mall. And they got Macy's there for crying out loud. Yeah. Um, not sure if I really buy into that uh, that line of thinking. But uh, rest assured, it's gun-free zone and everybody should feel safe or something. Okay, um, Deion Sanders won big this past weekend. You know, the shock win over TCU on the road. Uh, they're ranked 22 in the nation. And uh, some praise and some hate on the uh, post game he did on this uh, on this victory. I mean, he does play the race card, which I kind of roll my eyes at because I don't think anybody's shocked that a 56-year-old black man can be successful in the United States, especially as a head coach of a, of a football team. So... I don't know where he was coming from on that, but he was kind of throwing some shade at uh, sports writers for saying that Colorado couldn't get it done against the Horned Frogs and was kind of uh, throwing it in their faces. So it, it, to me, this this uh, this uh, post-game conference is partial credit. You know what I mean? Like, it's okay, some parts of it are cringe, but other parts I, I'd rather enjoy. So... Uh, they play Nebraska nah, this weekend. We'll see how that goes. Uh, probably not good for Nebraska. Not necessarily because I think Colorado is a world beater just yet. It's just, you know, Nebraska has seen better days. Okay, one of the big complaints about college football so far is, uh, and we're only one weekend into it, like one week has been completed, uh, is the new rule change in which um, if you get a first, it used to be you get a first down, they stop the clock temporarily until they can set the chains and get the play going. Well, now... Uh, much like in the uh, pros, the the clock keeps going, even if you get the first down, unless you go out of bounds or something like that. And uh, they they do stop the clock for first downs with two minutes to go at the end of each half, I, be, I believe, just to, you know, heighten the tension or whatever the hell. Uh, but uh, a lot of guy, uh, coaches and players and fans have been complaining because, uh, you know, the way it speeds up the game. And the presentation of the games themselves has not changed. It, they say it, it's to make the game quicker, right? But it still seems like the game is the same length because I know that uh, uh, Colorado uh, TCU game I was watching Saturday you know, was around 12, and they didn't get done until well after 3.30, which seems you know pretty typical for college football. Well, one guy was uh, doing a clock uh, management for uh, – LSU, Florida State, Flor uh, and of course LSU got embarrassed Monday night, and I think the game kicked off at 7.45, finished sometime after 11, and it was like about three and a half hours long, 
Uh, the guy clocked in 131 ads in just under 56 minutes, which means only like two two hours, 15 minutes, two hours, three minutes. I forget because uh, I don't have it exactly written down for me. But basically, very little game time happened, but a lot of commercials happened. So about 25% of the game was ads. And they're saying this, uh, oh, we're just doing this for player safety. Yeah, sure you are, <laughs> NCAA. That's what you're doing this all for, not to uh, milk as much revenue as you can. But uh, do have that linked up on the Mike Davidson Facebook page if you want to take a gander. All about the student-athletes. Not a lot to watch on television right now outside of football or reality TV. I've been seeing a lot of ads for uh, reality television so uh, for some strange reason this year. <laughs> Uh, Hard Knocks has returned to HBO, and they're following the Jets because uh, one Aaron Rodgers is now playing with the team and uh, getting some insight to this guy's psyche. I guess in the latest episode, he was describing the UFO he saw while dining with a friend out in New Jersey. And when I saw this clip, I was just like, well, uh, how could Green Bay uh, not be upset about letting this guy go? Really? I mean, you saw a UFO. He's such a weird dude. I didn't. I didn't realize. It just seems like with each passing year, Aaron Rodgers gets weirder and weirder. You know, uh, and I'm not talking about the anti-vax stuff. I don't care about that. But uh, uh, his adherence to other drugs and other uh, positions in life, like he's going to just like when he goes to Canton, he's just going to roll in in a, uh, a just like a Volkswagen van. And come out with like tinfoil wrapped around his head and talk about all the crazy stuff he's been doing and what to look out for. Like, he has become just, just, I don't know what he's become, to be honest. It, it, he's just so out there. Like, it's not like um, Tom Brady or Peyton Manning or or Drew Brees where you, uh, you go, okay, those dudes are like quarterbacks. Those dudes are like football players. Aaron Rodgers is becoming that weirdo <laughs> that weirdo that uh, tells you about all the uh, the vitamins he's taking all the echinacea he's taking uh everything he's taking like i don't even know if joe rogan would interview this dude he's, he's just so out there uh also uh because content is coming rare and rare to uh, come by netflix every thursday will live stream gorillas at the cleveland zoo for two hours for the kids uh you can watch gorillas in their enclosures and uh there's like a couple of baby gorillas and one of them's not named yet and you can name them there's a link to that on uh some website i don't know but uh this thing is going to go on for a month uh if not longer unless of course the animals start to unionize and go on strike along with the uh the writers and actors out in hollywood because there's not much else going on Man, um, this is a controversial story. Uh, given the writer's strike, given the actor's strike, Bill Maher, host of Real Time with Bill Maher, uh, hasn't been doing a whole hell of a lot because of the strike. He's got a podcast, uh, and he's also got his Twitter account where he can go on and uh, basically piss off Barbie fans. He had uh, uh, Jim Gaffigan on, and he was talking about the writer's strike. And, he was, you know, and first of all, I don't think he hates writers, but the way this is going to be construed, uh, they're going to say, how can you be a turncoat? Because he says, hey, I love the writers on my show. I myself am a writer for the show. It's my show, right? 
But he was talking about how, like, you know, in 2007 when there was a strike for writers, like, it's a lot different than it is now because now the writers are acting like they deserve. They're entitled to a job. Their demands are kooky. They're going to talk about residuals and stuff. And he goes, it's showbiz. It's make and break. You're not entitled to anything. And when I saw him uh, make this statement, I'm thinking to myself, are you sure you're a liberal, Bill? Um <laughs> Because, I mean, he's, he's right on the uh, the money here. I mean, because, like, uh, was it Robert Carradine and uh, the viral thing he had on uh, Twitter X or whatever the hell about uh, how his uh, residuals from Disney for Lizzie McGuire have dwindled down to zero and they even mailed him a check for zero dollars and zero cents, which is asinine. But this is an uh, this is a 20-year-old a kid show. And uh, the audience that watched that show has long since grown up. And I don't think younger kids are going to go back and retroly, retro-watch Lizzie McGuire. It's just the demand's not there. So I get that. But everybody wants a bigger piece of the pie. Uh, all this uh, streaming revenue, which does not exist. I think Bill is uh, absolutely right on this. Why are we concerned about residuals with streaming when we should be worried more about creating content that makes money? And he also pointed out that a lot of people have not noticed the detrimental effects of this uh, writers and actors strike because, I mean, these, these streaming places, you know, they got tons of content that has already been produced years ago, decades ago. Uh, and people can go back and watch it over and over again. And, I, you know, the, the only place you're really going to notice this and unfortunate for movie theater owners is, you know, the movie theaters because pretty soon they're going to start running out of movies to show. Uh, all the stuff that was produced this past year is uh, going to come, and it's going to go. And if it doesn't get uh, if it doesn't get fixed soon, this strike, if uh, the demands aren't met or scaled back quite a bit, movie theaters are going to get hurt by this. And a lot of people in Hollywood that aren't writers or actors, you know, the behind the scene crews are going to get hurt by this. But nature abhors a vacuum, and the longer this goes on. There will be, if there isn't already, alternatives, options. And uh, I think Hollywood's going to find out a hard lesson here. Uh, staying on Hollywood here, Vulture had a very interesting, scathing commentary about Rotten Tomatoes, the uh, news review uh, site. Uh, which is, I remember years ago talking about this on air. Uh, Brett Ratner, director, was talking about how uh, it's going to ruin the industry, Rotten Tomatoes. I don't think I'd be that dramatic. But yeah, it, it's one of those websites you kind of get first glance if you're paying attention. Because, you know, for a movie to be fresh, it has to have 60% of the reviews on the website positive for it, 59 below. Negative. It doesn't mean that uh, if a movie is 100% fresh, it's the next Godfather, because the, it could be 100% movie uh, reviews that are three star out of four, or three out of five, which means this movie is good, just not great. You know, it, it has nothing to do with the content of the review, and that is subjective from reviewer to reviewer, depending on what they're looking for in the film. Uh, but the story from Vulture... Uh, that's come out about Rotten Tomatoes uh, is at, uh, was this, Bunker 15? Uh, they are a PR firm, and they were doing uh, public relations for a Daisy Ridley movie 
uh, where it's kind of a feminist take on some Shakespearean film, uh, Philly, I think. And uh, the reviews, there's only like a handful of these reviews on uh, Rotten Tomato at the time. This goes back to 2018. And they were negative for the most part. It was not fresh. It was rotten. And so what they started doing, uh, 50 bucks a review, paying uh, reviewers on the fringe to review this movie. And of course, they don't pay you to give negative reviews. And lo and behold, this movie was fresh for a little bit. To kind of salvage its reputation, and other studios have been accused of doing this with bigger films. Yeah, and I I kind of chuckle at this because I, you know, when Disney shits the bed with Star Wars or Marvel, or Warner Brothers does this with a, a DC film or whatever, uh. A lot of people, a lot of disgruntled viewers, fans who feel like, hey, what I just watched was a piece of shit, uh, they go and they review it and they get accused of review bombing. Now, there are some people that, you know, go out of their way to be hostile, racist, sexist, and whatever, but it's gotten to the point where if you lay a negative review about a property, it's not your just your opinion. You're part of that racist, sexist cabal, and these studios have been leveraging this type of thing against people that go and watch movies. Everybody's a racist. Everyone's a sexist. Everyone's a homophobe. Everyone is uncultured. Everyone is just a hater. Everyone is just this, this, this. This review isn't accurate, but now you've got movie studios getting caught being uh, pr proven to pay PR firms and to pay... Um, uh, reviewers off to give positive reviews for a movie. And what's it say about the reviewer? I mean, that's Access Media in a nutshell. You're just there to kiss the ass of the movie. That's it. No honest feedback for that movie. Uh, I remember it was a big deal. Roger Ebert, uh, Gene Sisko and Roger Ebert, they made it a point never to appear in movies. You know, they became pop culture icons themselves with two thumbs up, two thumbs down. Uh, they're at the movie show. I, I know that they did appear once on The Critic uh, years back, but that was a movie. Sh that was a TV show about movie critics, and nobody remembers The Critic. Uh, but they didn't appear. They didn't do. Uh, was it Rex Reed who appeared in Superman? They didn't do that because they wanted to have some integrity when they went and reviewed movies. And I think a lot of people, regardless if they agreed or disagreed with them, <laughs> respected them for that. And Rotten Tomatoes. I mean. What movie review guy or gal do you respect that you go to nowadays for feedback about a film to see what they're thinking about a movie? Whether you know you you agree with them 100% or disagree with them, who is that person? And the answer would be you don't know. You don't care. Rotten Tomatoes is there. And uh, it's, yeah, Rotten Tomatoes is allowing this to happen, but at the same time, the studios are gaming the system. So it's a buyer beware thing out there. And that might be another reason why nobody gives a shit about the writer's strike is because these studios have allowed hacks to go out and make a lot of crap uh, these last few years. Okay, so we talked about the doom, uh, the doomed Doom Loop walking tour of San Francisco that actually did happen inadvertently last couple of uh, podcasts. But, you know, San Francisco, let's be fair to them. They're not the only place that sucks right now here in the United States. Uh, there's quite a few things 
going wrong. Um, I, I saw this just as I was about ready to uh, come up and do the podcast. Uh, the FDA has approved an over-the-counter Narcan remedy that you can get at uh, your local grocery store, department store, pharmacist, obviously. Um, I got. Uh, I don't know if I. I don't have it linked up yet on the Mike Davidson Facebook page. Maybe I will. Um, but uh, for two doses, it could be yours for forty-five dollars or five finger discount. Because I, and I'm half joking when I say this, uh, because I don't know how they can keep this shit on shelves in urban areas or out in the country because opioid use is so prevalent. Um, they would an over-the-counter drug that would have to be locked up behind a plastic case is what you got here. Forty-five bucks. The pr- people that need this will not pay for it because they have blown their money on the drug that has gotten them in the fix to begin with, and there's no time like the present to go shoplifting and try to save somebody's life so they can do this over and over again. Um, you know, and I know that, uh, back when I was on the bear, I would talk to EMTs every now and again that would complain about how like they go through Narcan because of some of the, um, overdoses that they had to, um, put, uh, put up with. And it, it sucks when somebody is going through hard times like that and, uh, you know, damaging their body like that. Um, but this drug is not going to be available like people think it is. Because it is real bad out there. I mean, when uh, New York City put out the vending machine with the uh, with the needles and the crack pipes, uh, guess guess what was gone by morning? All those items, and, and so that, that's what you kind of have right here. And if you don't believe me, uh, Washington D.C. Giant. It's a grocery store out there. Uh, there is a, a, a giant out there that has banned carrying brand names of some of the products to discourage shoplifting. We're talking Advil, no longer on the shelves, Tide, Colgate, I think a few others. So they're carrying generic aspirin, toothpaste, and uh, laundry detergent, thinking that people will not go and steal this stuff. If it's not nailed down and you're doing this, they're going to take something else. You, you kind of have to you know, prosecute shoplifters to the full extent of the law. Um but if that's happening with uh, laundry detergent, you can only imagine uh, that that it would happen with Narcan because that is kind of a hot commodity. And if that wasn't enough for the Doom Loop uh, Brigade out there, New York City has rat tours. In fact, there's a rat talk. Uh, this guy that uh, does the walking tours of New York City because I guess there are people that are fascinated with the rat problem New York City has. Uh, there's, uh, the famous viral video of, uh, pizza rat, some rat taking a piece of pizza with him into the sewer, you know, a rat being that big and people can't get enough of it. That's just kind of a weird thing to obsess about a, a rodent that literally helped kill millions of people in Europe during uh, the dark ages with bubonic plague. Uh, now we're, we're just fascinated by the fact that they can eat pizza in a sewer. And there are people that will walk the streets of New York, not to go see the uh, Statue of Liberty or the Empire State Building or check out a Broadway show. But, uh, yeah, we'll go take that rat tour. Why not? Hope you don't get mugged going on this rat walking tour uh, by by a vagrant or rat or whoever. Okay, I don't know if this has much of a chance to pass. And it's already gotten some ridicule. But Mike Braun here in Indiana, among uh, uh, some others, 
have introduced uh, in Congress the Freedom to Breathe Act. And basically what this would do would uh, end, ban, uh, face mask mandates for public transportation and public schools. So planes, buses, and the like. Because that, that was still going on uh, when a lot of places were lifting the mandates uh, just a couple years back. And uh, they were getting some ridicule because right now uh, there is no mask mandates. I mean, there are, but there are very few, far few in between, and they're getting some pushback on this. Um, I don't see, know what the big deal is. I mean, if you've got your 17 booster shots, uh, you should be all right if somebody next to you isn't wearing a mask on a plane or a bus. That's my take on it. Um, but you do have Lionsgate Studios. You have uh, the historic Black College down in Atlanta uh, with, uh, with a mandatory face mask thing. Uh, there's a couple places in Canada, and you know the media is already bringing up the fact that there is a slight uh, increase in COVID variant out there. The thing is, is I think a lot of people, and I've made mention of this before. You know, there are two groups of people that COVID, the the, uh, the shutdowns, the mandates, the lockdowns, the whatever. Uh, that really screwed up uh, the germaphobes and the conspiracy theorists. The germaphobes, because they will always forever wear masks and use hand sanitizer just after they wave to somebody. Uh, the conspiracy theorists uh, who have a toothache but don't want to go to the dentist because now they're just going to get you hooked to dental fillings. And if it sounds like I'm exaggerating on both, eh, not by much. I mean, the thing is, is that we have had, we went through this. And a lot of this didn't work. You still had about a million people die from COVID. Uh, and it was because of comorbidities associated with COVID. Like, okay, somebody has a, a high blood pressure, bad heart, diabetes, cancer, AIDS, old age, overweight, uh, people with health problems in general uh, that need to take better care of themselves. Those are the ones that needed to avoid going out in public and taking the precautions needed to extend their lives. But we decided to do socialized medicine on a wide scale, and now a lot of people are distrusting of it. And then, you, know, you look at the numbers between COVID and, say, the Spanish flu or bubonic plague, COVID doesn't even come close to how fatal those were. Um, but uh, I, I applaud Mike Braun for trying to do it. It probably won't get passed. Um but I can tell you one thing, we overreacted on a whole hell of a lot when this thing was happening a while back. Besides, uh, there's other ways to get sick, like on airplane with somebody shitting in the aisle. A plane, this is, I think this was a Delta flight uh, from Atlanta to Barcelona, two, two hours into the flight, which means I think they were over the ocean. Two hours into the flight... They had to turn the plane back because somebody had diarrhea all over the plane. Like somebody like got really sick and because it was a biohazard, they had to turn the plane. So two hours into the flight, someone takes a crap, and which means you, you circle back and you're having to smell this for two hours. And they're uh, labeling this a biohazard, which I'm hoping, uh, which, which I read into as the airplane food is a biohazard. 
So that stuff happens on the plane. But heaven forbid if somebody's sitting next to you without a mask on. For Christ's sake. Uh, Burning Man is done. And I think the attendees are leaving. There's got to be a morning after. Um, but uh, a lot of people that go to this uh, rich hippie thing in northern Nevada are disillusioned. Because I guess the, uh, the original mandate of this thing years back was to leave nothing behind. Be good to the earth. Be happy you're here. And people are leaving all their shit there. They can't believe that people that come to a place to party, get drunk, get high, get laid, you know, sit around in the road, you know, can't use the porta johns because they're filled up. They can't believe people didn't clean up after themselves. It's a complete mystery. We'll never solve this, will we? At all. So, uh, congratulations to those who survived Burning Man. May you uh, live to pollute the desert another year. Finally, pumpkin spiced Frosties at Wendy's. Well, not just yet. They drop Monday? Yeah, next week they will be at Wendy's. So you can go and get yours. But I think this is a little too too late because, I mean, they, they had pumpkin spiced everything back in mid-August. If... If they really wanted to drop pumpkin spice frosties, they should have done this. <clears throat> they should have done this back in July. In fact, you know, why stop at the pumpkin spice frost? Little thing called pumpkin spice baconator sounds a little good right now. Gets me thinking about fall. All right, then all said and done, I'm done. Until next week, stay fresh. You've been listening to Mike Davidson Live. Be sure to check him out on social media. Like him at facebook.com backslash mdavidsonlives. Follow him on Twitter. Look for at Davidson Live. 